This is Talking Business. I'm joined now by Sue Barrett, who is the CEO of something called Barrett, which um, <laughs> has something to do with your surname, Sue. Uh, yes, it was one of those challenges uh, when you start a business, what do you call it? Do you give it some sort of orientation or do you name it after yourself? And I flipped the coin because it seemed it was 50-50 in the world of you know business and management consulting. So that was the choice I made. Yeah, no, it's a perfectly good name. And, um, and Barrett is a sales education and consulting outfit. Would that be... A fair description? Yes. um, My industry is often uh, littered with people who do just training. So oftentimes we're thought of as just a training provider, but we do a lot of work around business consulting, particularly around strategy and process and getting the orientation right before you train anyone to anything. So uh, that's a less well-known and I suppose well-educated area. So we like to bring that to the fore as well. So you've been on an interesting journey since getting a uh, Bachelor of Science mm. in uh, Immunology and Pharmacology. Tell us about how that how that happened. Well, I think um, for me, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my career for a very long time. And I was inspired by the uh, uh, one of the boys that lived next door who's about eight years older than me. I'm the eldest of four and uh, he was like my big brother. And uh, he got into medicine. So I went, okay, I'll try and get into medicine because I had no other idea what I wanted to do. But I didn't get into medicine, but I still pursued a science uh, career. And um, I'm very analytical in my thinking. and I like to understand how things work. I kind of see myself as a bit of a mystery sleuth to understand sort of the DNA, if you like, of things. Um, But when I left university, I had no desire actually to go into the laboratory after prax. I just found that I would probably be bored. And I actually fell into the world of sales. And I ended up in the pharmaceutical industry initially, and that's where I learned how not to sell. And it became a show up and throw up product information in front of doctors, and it railed against my common sense about if you're going to help people, you should understand them first before you then try and persuade and influence them about anything. And you spent some time recruiting salespeople for Morgan and Banks. What did you learn about selling when you were recruiting them? Okay, so I learned actually that I turned out to be a behavioural scientist, actually. I'm very good at spotting patterns. And whilst there was no official qualification at the time, I became inherently interested in what made good salespeople. Uh, In short, I interviewed about 8,000 people face-to-face, about an hour each, and uh, it really gave me an insight as to what good salespeople do versus people who are just kind of, you know, also rands or the journeyman, if you like. And I discovered that a lot of industries, when you ask them what they wanted for salespeople, they always went for industry experience. But what I actually found is my best placements were people not from the industry. I somehow was mapping in my mind at that time the competencies and capabilities of what good sales was about. And it wasn't the people who were in an industry for 25 years. Oftentimes they had five years repeated five times. And when things ran out with their current company... That's an interesting statement. Yeah. What, what do you mean by five years repeated five times? Well, what would happen is I would meet lots of people and they're really nice people usually. But when they're kind of... They, they didn't sort of look at evolving and adapting and developing. Um, and so when the kind of the pressure hit them in the company, you know, to perform more or better, whatever, uh, oftentimes they would look for another job. And the only, you know, then they were just, the only thing that would change about them was the colour of their business card as they went from company to company. So what I was noticing as a pattern thinker that a lot of industries were populated by people with the same old ideas, the same old behaviours, which were producing the same old results. So when I eventually started Barrett, 
I actually took the road less travelled where I looked at selling better, not just flogging more. And that's actually made all the difference in terms of the study of what I've been looking at in terms of what is good sales practice, what is good sales strategy and so on. When you were recruiting people um, and you were looking for people who weren't in the industry, what exactly were you looking for? I guess that's informed mm. what you do now. Yes, exactly. So I found that actually people who are really interested in learning and uh, are interested in other people, they uh, have an inquiring, curious mind. They're not just going through the rote you know, activities. They are investigative. They they look at where opportunity is. So they've got that openness, if you like, and also to their adaptive. So what I found is that the best people, if they could think well, understand things, and they had a set of behaviours and skills and capabilities that allowed them to actually navigate and adapt. Uh, and of course, there were certain levels of certain degrees of intellectual capacity for some roles, but by and large, they were the best people. And I have clients to this day who, who remind me of that person I placed that was but an aren't outlier. They, aren't they the best people at everything? Exactly. But a lot of people don't look at this. They default to the lowest common denominator like, as I said, industry experience. And that doesn't qualify success. And But do you mean that people, you know, in, in hiring a salesperson or, you know, being a salesperson, they just focus on the clothes and and don't focus... Is that, is that kind of what you mean, that it's all about getting the deal done, making the clothes, uh, not necessarily the journey towards it and being, um, being the right person for the job or something? Well, in the 20th century, you could probably get away with being more transactional because um, if you had a you know a great product that had differentiation points compared to your competitors, you could get away with that. But the world's changed fundamentally to much more of a complex variable system that we have to operate in. And so you find a lot of these journeymen who were, were, were pleasant and lovely and look what I've got, do you want some? They are not making it anymore. And you've got to be able to work within a systems framework of thinking and look at where your services or products or whatever support the actual um, development of that person or that company's you know, you know, orientations and priorities. So you need to talk to us a bit about the complexities of the world we're living in that's, that's changing <laughs> sales. Now, come on. I mean, what, what, uh, what do you mean by that? Okay. So I really think that um, value is no longer in an, a product. Uh, value is in the intellectual capabilities of us thinking about how we solve complex problems. So if you think about um, systems thinking, um, oftentimes people like simplistic answers. They want the magic you know, pill, but a simplistic answer to a complex problem is always wrong. So in my world, if I look at sales, you have lots of people telling you that, ah, oh, this CRM will solve all of your sales issues or just do this training program and it will solve all of your issues. So they come to you with a singularity, a silver bullet, if you will, to try and solve what is a complex variable system. Um, sales operations are not linear. And this is one of the other issues for senior executives in businesses who are unfamiliar with how sales actually works. They want a linear production line in sales, you know, so they can have predictable, they can make predictions that are predictable. But we're sounds dealing, fair. Well, it is sounds fair, but when you're working in a complex variable system where you've got, you know, decisions made by human beings, things being changed, markets, you know, just look at the political system, just look at economic changes, just look at the environment that we work in, you know, VUCA, where we've got all the sort of volatile 
while, you know, uncertainty and all of that stuff happening. How do you make an informed decision in a, in a, in a variable environment like that? That's where building really solid relationships based on substance and value and understanding how to work within an integrated system as a client with a supplier and vice versa, and then looking at that value chain is actually really important, regardless of the physicality of what you produce. I wonder whether we can uh, come up with a real-life example, and this is a question without notice, so I don't know mm. whether you've thought this through or not, but it seemed to me, looking at the Royal Commission into banking and financial services, that a lot of the problems that were identified and aired in that Royal Commission were sales problems. Mm. That, um, you know, the, 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 they're called advisors, but actually they're salespeople for... Uh, financial services and or bankers, their salespeople, and that what was going on was um, mis-selling, essentially. Well, so unethical did you, selling. Did you watch that Royal Commission and think, aha, this is a sales issue? Yep. This is a sales problem? Well, it's... it's. And is well, that, I mean, and also, yeah. is, that a, is that a kind of an, um, an example of what you're talking about? Yeah. Okay. Well, firstly, let's just put it on the table. Um, everybody lives by selling something. So anyone who's ever tried to persuade someone else of an idea or an initiative, whether it's a friendship or internally or with a client, it's actually a life skill. It's your intention that affects the outcome. If your intention is to rip people off and to be self-serving and to actually look at people as victims rather than prospects to build relationships with, then it's your intention that actually, you know, basically screws with everything. And that is precisely the issue with what happened in the Banking Royal Commission. It exposed the intention of organisations in terms of their treatment of um, customers and how they would go about exploiting in the worst possible way um, their customer base. And so that, of course, breeds mistrust. So it's not a selling issue because it's actually, it's ubiquitous and it's something that everyone engages with whether they do it well or not. It's the intention. So it's not just a selling issue, it's a cultural issue. So how do you, if you're a sales manager or a CEO, how do you solve for intention? Well, it's what you stand for as an organisation. So what is your purpose? Where do you, where, what are you trying to achieve out there? This short-termism that we're seeing a lot, that often you, know, you see in the American landscape, business landscape, but also across the world with that quarterly fixation on results, 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 doesn't account for the fact that actually that's very detrimental. It's a long-term planned approach to driving real value, engaging the right kinds of clients because you know when trust is breached, you have nothing left. It takes years to build, but, you know, moments to lose. And it's the Harvard Business School that actually has defined trust, if you use it from a business perspective, is about authenticity, empathy, and it's about logic. So if you're just waving something fancy in front of someone, there's nothing behind it. I sort of think currently about some of the political messages we're getting where there is no authenticity, empathy or logic. It's just, you know, slogans. And people buy into those things. They do. But at their, at their peril. You better just tell us a bit about your business and what you offer. What are the services you offer and what do you charge? Okay. Well, what we charge, it would depend on what we're working on, of course. But um, in terms of the business, what we do is we provide um, a business consulting and education uh framework. We do a lot of work around sales strategy and operation um, 
auditing and management so they've got all the ducks in a row, they can sort everything out about what they need to do. We've also got a range of codified tools and resources and education programs including in-field, classroom and online because the secret to staying fit in sales is longitudinal learning and then also too we provide an execution platform that can help nudge people and remind them of all the juggling, you know, spinning plates they have to manage if you like in terms of their business. So we bring a complete system, not just a training event and a bit of rah-rah. So So ours is more considered and it's driven from strategy, process, through to people and culture. Thank you very much, Sue. It's been really interesting to talk to you. Thanks, Alan. I've been talking to Sue Barrett, who's the CEO of Barrett.